Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung, and I'm so excited about the fact that you've joined us today to take a look at the book. There is a very controversial issue that needs to be dealt with. It's the kingdom of God. Are we in the kingdom now? Where is Jesus Christ at this moment? Is he seated on his throne? Well, we need to answer some of those questions, and we're going to do it as we take a look at the book. I have a five-hour audio series. It's my latest series, by the way, entitled Thy Kingdom Come. It's a five-hour audio series on CD that will assist you in understanding about the kingdom. Today, we're going to be talking about perversion of the kingdom. You'll understand what I'm talking about when I talk about the controversy surrounding this issue. I'll tell you how you can get your own copy of this five-hour audio series on CD in just a moment. But right now, get Bible in hand, and let's study the Word of God, perversion of the kingdom. Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you will, to the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. We're speaking on the subject of thy kingdom come. Uh, We looked yesterday at the proclamation of the kingdom and the establishment of the kingdom and God's pattern for the kingdom as seen in the sixth day of creation with the establishment of the king, Adam, but his mate, Eve, as well, and the text telling us that these two, and we'll look back and refresh our minds again with that, that these two, Adam and Eve, would have rulership or dominion or reign over this kingdom that had been established. There is a connection with that which was in the beginning, Genesis, and between Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 in Revelation 20, 21, and 22, there's an unbelievable relationship as to how the first kingdom set the pattern for the second and eternal kingdom to be put in place. Now, I mentioned, well, in fact, if you have Revelation 19, hold it there just a moment and go back to Genesis chapter 1, and let me show you how these two, Adam and Eve, uh, were given the responsibility of reign over the kingdom. In the sixth day of creation, remember the third day of creation, God brought into existence the Garden of Eden. In the sixth day of creation, he brought into existence man, verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them, them, plural, not singular, not let him, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them, those who would have responsibility. Adam and Eve, verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over all of the earth and the creative creatures, the created creatures that are on the earth. Now, with that in mind, go back to Revelation chapter 19. In Revelation chapter 19, and I must remind you that Revelation is not uh, written so that we can understand it numerically. It is written 
so that we have to go in and chronologically understand what God is doing. Chapter 19 and verses 7, 8, and 9 are totally out of place being in this numerical location in the book of Revelation. Uh, This is speaking of the marriage and the marriage supper of the Lamb. This does not take place at the end of the tribulation period. The marriage and the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place at the time of the rapture of the church. There is a period of time between the rapture of the church and the establishment or the beginning of the seven-year tribulation period. There are three things basically that have to happen after the rapture of the church. That would be the establishment of the revived Roman Empire. It would be the appearance of the Antichrist. And then it would be the acceptance of a treaty between the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, and all of her enemies surrounding her. So those three things have to happen. Remember Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27 says, and he, the Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant, that's a peace treaty, with many, that's the Jewish people and their enemies, for one week. And so the clock starts ticking on the seven-year tribulation period, not at the rapture of the church, but with the confirmation of that peace treaty having been put in place and confirmed and strengthened and made stronger by the Antichrist who comes out of the revived Roman Empire. And so during that period of time, and the Bible is silent on how long that may well be, uh, nobody has an idea. I might Uh, use sanctified speculation and say it's a very short time because of the fact with everything in place as it is and at that time as it will be uh, that uh, the Antichrist is going to quickly move with everything happening as it relates to Israel in order for Israel to be saved or at least have a somewhat of a short little period of pseudo peace, albeit a peace, uh, there is going to have to be quick movement in that period of time. But what happens with us at that moment? At that moment, we immediately go into the presence of Jesus Christ. At the rapture of the church, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we stand before Jesus Christ. And at that time, the the situation is that we are involved then in the judgment seat of Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, Romans chapter 14 and verse 10 says, we all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we stand there not to determine whether we're saved or lost. You'll never get to the judgment seat of Christ unless you are saved. The only purpose for standing at the judgment seat of Christ is to be judged for those works that we have done to see whether they receive reward or suffer loss. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about the fact uh, that there are gold, silver, and precious stones works and there are wood, hay, and stubble works. Those gold, silver, and precious stones works are put on the platter. The wood, hay, and stubble works, they're dropped into the fire. At that point, the fire consumes the wood, hay, and stubble. It purifies the gold, silver, and precious stones works. When those plates come out, the only works remaining are the purified gold, silver, and precious stone works. Now the wood, hay, and stubble works are works that we do in our power for our own glory. Those gold, silver, and precious stones works are works that we do in his power and for his glory. And because of that, then we receive crowns. There are five crowns that we receive. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27 says, we 
receive an incorruptible crown because we bring our body under subjection. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 19 says we receive a crown of rejoicing for being a soul winner. In James chapter 1 and verse 12 it says we receive a crown of life because we yield not to temptation. In 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 1 to 5 it says we receive a crown of glory because we help build the body of Christ. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8 says we receive a crown of righteousness because we love the appearing of Jesus Christ. We're eager to see him come. Now we will take those crowns, chapter 4 of Revelation, verse 10, and lay them at his feet in thanksgiving for what he has done for us. But in addition to that, those rewards that we receive at the judgment seat of Christ during that period of time between the rapture of the church and the beginning of the tribulation period become our wedding gown at the marriage of the Lamb. Look here in verse 19, uh, chapter 19 and verse 7. After the hallelujah chorus is done at that period in time, right before the tribulation begins, we see that it says, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. We the church, the wife of Jesus Christ. Verse 8, and to her was granted that she be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Now that's imputed to us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but it's implied that we will have righteous acts, not only the righteousness, but the righteous acts, the righteous deeds we do make up our wedding gown at the marriage of the Lamb. Let me just remind you, and you've probably heard this many, many times, but let me refresh your thinking just briefly for a moment. The fact is that a Jewish marriage has three aspects to it. There's the engagement period, there is the marriage ceremony, and then there is the marriage celebration. The engagement comes about when the father of the groom-to-be and the father of the bride-to-be come together with this young couple, giving permission for this couple to be joined together in holy matrimony. And then the groom-to-be looks at the bride-to-be and says, I'm going to have to leave now. I'm going back to my father's house to prepare a little apartment for us to live in. Now, I want you to prepare for the wedding while I am gone. I am not sure when I'm going to be able to come back. It'll take a while to prepare this place that we're going to live in. So you now start preparing your wedding garment, getting everything ready. He goes back to his father's house. He starts to build. By the way, he doesn't make the decision when this building is complete, because if it be the case that he was the decider, he would probably put up a lean-to and run back to get the bride as soon as he possibly could. But instead, his father says to uh, the groom-to-be, okay, you have finished now, go get your bride. He calls his best man. The best man runs through the streets, going towards uh, the bride's house, the bride-to-be, shouting, behold, the bridegroom cometh. They go together into the ceremony. The rabbi appears. He uh, pronounces them husband and wife. They go into a secluded location. They have sexual intercourse, which consummates the marriage. Then the groom steps out and says the marriage has been consummated. 
At that point in time, the party begins and it lasts for a seven-day period of time. They celebrate the marriage and the celebration for a seven-day period of time at which then they come out and he presents his new bride. Well, the interesting fact is that Jesus Christ said in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I shall come again and receive you unto myself. He's gone. We're engaged. He's going to finish up the mansion. God the Father will tell him to come get his bride. He comes back. We're gathered together. And for seven years, the celebration of the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place. And that's verse 9. And saith unto me, right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. And so it is that Jesus Christ will be joined together with us in holy matrimony. We will have a relationship different than the other peoples that will go into eternity. There will be a group of people in physical bodies that move into the millennial kingdom, that thousand-year period of time after Jesus Christ comes back. There will be those Old Testament saints, those New Testament saints, those tribulation saints that will come back and live on the earth as well. They will be out of either the Gentile world or the Jewish world. We are a different people. We are not Gentiles or Jews. Colossians 2, there are no more Gentiles, no more Jews. Ephesians 2, two people at enmity, Jew and Gentile, the wall of petition between, taken out. Two people become one people. We are Christians. We are the bride of Christ. We are a different people than the Gentiles and Jews who will be on the earth operating in the kingdom period, some with physical bodies, having capability to reproduce children. Isaiah 65, 20. A child will live to be a hundred years of age before he concludes being a child and at that point have opportunity to receive or reject Jesus Christ the Messiah in a theocracy. And at that point in time, should he not or she not receive Christ, they will be cursed. They will be sent to stand by for the great white throne judgment. But we are joined together with Jesus Christ during the time of that seven years of tribulation. And then as we enter into the kingdom with him, it's as it was the pattern set in Genesis chapter 3, uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3, where Adam and Eve became the rulers over all of creation on the earth, and that designated by God. So there is a relationship. The place, the personalities are there. Adam and Eve in the beginning, Jesus and the church in the end. The place, the place, remember, go back to Genesis chapter 1. Where did he take, or Genesis chapter 2, rather, in verse 8. Where did he place Adam? He placed him in the Garden of Eden, and the Lord planted a garden. And there he put the man whom he had formed, verse 15. And the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Garden of Eden was the center of that kingdom, that first earthly kingdom that was established upon the earth. Where will Jesus Christ rule and reign from? The Bible tells us, and I'll get into this a bit more when we look at the book of 2 Samuel in a moment, Uh, but Jesus Christ will rule and reign from the temple mount in the city of Jerusalem. 
His temple will be standing there. It will be his throne where he rules and reigns, not only through the thousand-year millennial kingdom, but throughout eternity. The final earthly kingdom will be established And God the Father will give that kingdom to Jesus, his son, and his bride. And there they will rule and reign together. We're going to rule and reign differently. And on the last session together, we will see the procedure for that kingdom to come. How it will be determined we will rule and reign with Christ. But we're not going to be a subject as such. The Gentiles and the Jews on the earth will be the subjects. We will be a subject technically, because of the fact that everyone is subject unto Jesus Christ. But in our relationship, it'll be a relationship that pulls us together, joined together as one through the marriage of the Lamb that takes place according to the Scriptures. And so the place will be the same as it was with Adam and Eve. It's the Garden of Eden. As it will be with Jesus and the Bride, it will be the Temple Mount. And those are synonymous places. They are exactly the same place. And on our last session, I'll dig more deeply into that with you, if you'll allow me. And so we see God has a sovereign plan to establish a kingdom. He set it in place. He gave us the pattern for it some 6,000 years ago. It is not in place right now. I must remind you, I told you where Jesus Christ is. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 1 and verse 3, chapter 8 and verse 1, chapter 12 and verse 2, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenlies. He is now not on his throne. And those who propagate that philosophy, many in the body of Christ today, many in conservative Christian operations, both ministries and churches and seminaries and universities teaching, we are in the kingdom now. It is satanic. And before we conclude the series, I will show you why that is a satanic philosophy. It is moving to bring us to the position that Satan has established and wants to move forward with. That is the sovereign plan of Almighty God. But Satan, Satan has a perversion that is going to be implemented as well. It's very important for you to understand that Jesus Christ is indeed not on his throne right now, according to the passages in the book of Hebrews. Perversion of the kingdom. This is an essential study for everybody. You need to have, though, the entire series. It's a five-hour audio series on CD entitled, Thy Kingdom Come. You can call our toll-free number if you'd like to get a copy of this series. Our toll-free number is 877-674-3298. Now remember, that's toll-free from across America. 877-674-3298. Or you can go to our website, prophecytoday.com, go to the shopping mall, and you can make your order of this five-hour audio series on CD entitled, Thy Kingdom Come. A very important study at this time in history. I want to thank you again for joining us. And you understand now as we study God's word how close we may well be to the rapture of the church. I look for that to happen at any moment every single day. 
Are you looking like that for Jesus Christ to come back? We need to be able to do that. It'll help us to live pure, be productive as we have prepared ourselves for this event in history when Christ calls us to be with him. Well, having said all of that and our study completed, there's basically nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until... 